genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one shifty-eyed monologue at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson, and I meant to say voiceover. Dang it. I'm Norman Mitchell. <laughs> and um, I am here because of oaths I have taken. Oh, okay. Um, Really? I mean, I'm just referencing the minute. I know, but like... But I we started. Know. We have to finish. Yeah, that's true. Um, So today we're talking about Minute 71. Which starts with Theoden saying, well, there's a voiceover. He's um, thinking. And he, the line is, so it is before the walls of Minas Tirith, the doom of our time will be decided. And it ends with a Gondorian soldier getting tackled by an orc. Sure does. Just middle, middle of his fall. It's a very abrupt transition in the yeah. middle of this minute. Yeah, the horses are galloping, and then it goes right into battle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this uh, this minute starts with Thanon waxing about the the doom of his people for the the second time well, not in, even, inside a couple weeks. Not even his people; it's like our time. Yeah, well, see, I, which I, means that like it's Middle Earth. I think I I have the sense that uh, given the context of the the moment. That Theoden's use of the word our is more about Rohan. I don't... See, I don't think that's... Ac- I think he's... Um, I think he's t- he's talking about, like, when he says our, I think he's talking about, like, mankind. Mm. Like, humanity. Or, I don't know, people that aren't orcs. People, <laughs> people that aren't orcs. Okay. Elfdom? Dwarfdom? Like... Dwarfed. The children of Eru? Humanity. But dwarves aren't, though. That's true. They're, That's they're not really. exclusionary, Norman. They're, they're Eru's grandchildren. <laughs> they're the children of the children of Eru. Yeah. Children of Iluvatar. So. So, yeah, this this minute starts off with some stuff in Rohan. We get Aemir, the riders of Rohan, oaths you have taken. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Like. Have we talked about the criminal underuse of Carl Urban in this movie? I mean, that's just the story of Carl Urban's career. Just this constant underuse of him. Uh, I know you haven't seen it, but he's even really good in uh, the Chronicles of Riddick movie, the sequel to Pitch Black. Mm. He's in that. He has a really dumb haircut, but he's really good. Why does he always have dumb haircuts? I don't know. He has like his head shaved, the sides of his head shaved with like... A three-inch flat top and a ponytail. Isn't he in that Amazon show? Oh, the boys. Yeah, he's in that too. I think he's one. Of, I think he's the main character. One oh, of the main characters. Snap. Okay, so I'm gonna watch that as soon as we're done recording this. Oh, there you go. Because I, I don't know. I have come to appreciate the Carl Urban. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's like pretty much. He's like one of the main characters in that show. Or if he's not the main character, he's like the mentor to the main character, convincing people to be done with superhero society or whatever huh say one of those things i don't know that much about that show i just know that carl urban features pretty heavily in the marketing at least yeah so carl urban but yeah this i love this little um 
call to arms that he does. Yeah, me too. I I think I like the the I like the first two lines, the Riders of Rohan oaths you have taken. taken. That feels very I don't know, it, it feels really really good. It's got a good flow to it. I think that it's like it feels like um there's a line missing in between those two I for some know. reason. It doesn't really I know to that me. he's like addressing them like Riders of Rohan oaths you have taken. But like the cadence of it, I feel like there should be a line in between them. He's like looking around, making sure everyone's paying attention to him after he shouts Riders of Rohan. Yeah, a but the, the pause isn't that um long. No. It's just I don't know. I think it's a I think it's a good pair of a, a good little pair of it's not it's barely two lines. There's like Riders of Rohan owes you have taken is only seven words. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, it works. I think it works. I like this little burst of leadership from Aramur here. This rallying cry. Yeah. And then they all start marching out of, or galloping out of Edoras. Mm-hmm. And there are an awful lot of horses in the yes, scene. Yes. There's there a, a long, long line of horses. It goes for a while. Yeah. Mary galloping on his pony, so happy to be moving. How did he get it start? Not started, but like, how did he... Um... <laughs> How did he coax it into a run? It was flooded a little. I just need to let it let it settle. <laughs> I don't know. All the other horses started running and this pony was like, oh, I guess it's time to go now. Off, off we go. <laughs> it's like kicking it like a motorcycle. Rum, no, rum. no. Got a little kickstand for his pony. What? It's called legs. It's just, we're just taking the joke to its extreme. Oh, okay. Well, isn't that um, taking that joke to its extreme? That um, mod on that Legends of Legend of Zelda game, the, the expansion, yeah, the expansion where, where you have a motorcycle shaped like a horse, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. And then we cut from all these these riders of Rohan, the Rohirrim, to the back to the battle in Osgiliath, yeah, where there are entirely too many orcs and not enough Gondorian it soldiers. Is- Daytime. Now. Yep. High noon, middle of the day, bright sun. And it was the middle of the night last time we saw these people. Yep. So they have been fighting for like 12 hours. All night, all day. Oh my God. It's like, I'm going to rock and roll all night. Party every day. It's just, but I just, that's playing in the background the whole time. Like this is nonstop for 12 hours, at least. Maybe Something, a little less, but. Something Faramir says at the end of the week, I think, contextualizes some of what went on that we didn't see. So maybe there wasn't truly continuous fighting for all that 12 hours. The last time we saw these soldiers, like, there was the shot of all the boats just, like... Creeping. Yeah, just coming ashore, just non... like a wave of them. Yeah. So, I I don't know. Something that Faramir says a little bit later this week, I think, contextualizes some of the timeline here a little bit in Osgiliath. Not enough to make up for, say, 12 hours, but enough to kind of give a little more context to how this battle shook out. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, the light in Osgiliath looks kind of, like, gauzy. Well, it's, it's cloudy. It's right, coming but, through the, yeah, it's, the it's dark. It's cloudy. It's coming so, through the, the blanket of Sauron. Right. Because at first I'm like, oh, man, is it early morning? Because you know how in the morning sometimes the light just looks that way? No, it's it's midday. That's, like, I don't know. That's crazy sauce. 
And it kind of had to be based on a shot that they wanted to use and what they wanted to do with the scene that is also this week. Mm. So they had to, so this, the end of this battle in Osgiliath had to be during the day because of the, the run to the gate of Minas Tirith. Oh, yeah. Because that's in the light. Yeah. And there's a reason for that that we'll talk about. Okay. Like, from how the movie that's was made. That's just, like, exhausting, though. Like, to think oh, yeah. about. Well, it's no wonder that David Wenham looks just so haggard in this scene. Yeah. We don't see him in this minute, really. Uh, he, um... We get, like, a quick flash of him. Yeah, he's the... He's, like, the transition, I thought. Is him just stabbing an orc. Yeah, we we just barely get any David Wenham in this, this minute, God, in the very so beginning horses. of this transition. There are entirely too many horses, just as there are entirely too many orcs. Yeah, he stabs that guy. Yep, orc. right at the beginning, <laughs> and then I don't think we see him again for the rest of the minute. Like, it's right in the middle. Yeah. I actually really love this orc at, like, 44 seconds, and the weird, like, dinosaur-y bird call he makes when he opens his mouth. Yeah. It's just so... It feels kind of out of place, but in a way that I'm just like, okay, I can kind of get behind orcs being able to make noises like this. Well, it's like signaling everybody else. We've heard that in uh, in Moria. Yeah, they make like weird screeches and chittering noises. This is this is very bird-like, the noise that the orc in the middle of this minute makes. Yeah. In a way that we haven't really heard from an orc before. I am not a fan of this sort of like shaky cam action. Um, in general, mm. I, I think it's disorienting and I think it's hard to follow what's happening. I mean, that's the, I think that's the point of a, of shaky cam in a ground level skirmish. It's, but, spo- it's supposed to put you in the shoes of a person. But in if this you're, place. if your fight is like telling a story. Like, I don't think that, so I don't think the battle in Osgiliath, once it gets going, is telling a story, is telling a story in and of itself i think it's just it's illustrating the chaos of battle yeah from the ground level with a smaller force in a way that you're not going to do with the epic battles so it's this it's a chance to be a little disorienting and chaotic to kind of express that that's what it feels like to be one of these soldiers in this fight i guess yeah no i see what you're saying it's just not something that i like visually I think you can't sustain it for very long. More than a couple minutes and it's just, oh no, I don't want to. Yeah. Don't wanna do this. Um, but the shaky cam goes away on the shots of David Wenham in this, this fight. It's not um, really it's not really a shaky cam with David Wenham. It wasn't before and I don't think it really is here either. It's a lot more solid when it's focused on him because you need to be able to follow him. Yeah. But I, even before when we were following him, it was difficult. I, I thought it was difficult um, to... Maybe it was just the lighting as well, because it was dark. Yeah, it was dark. Yeah, no, this, like, up-close-and-personal, like, shaky cam battle stuff, I'm not into. Yeah. There's a lot of variation in the orc faces in this battle. Yeah. Where it looks like there's a bit of a of a mix of designs from maybe before they were fully deciding how they were going to do all of the orcs more uniformly in different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the guys really look like they have rubber heads. Mm-hmm. There is one orc in particular in tomorrow that has like Hoggle's head from Labyrinth. Is that 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 little guy's name? Oh, the the goblin-looking guy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's Hoggle. I I 
I'm pretty sure that's it. But yeah, there, there's an orc tomorrow that just straight up has that guy's head. Like, that's what it looks like. Uh, and he's like center frame. You see him swing a hammer in like broad daylight. So uh, I'll make sure to point him out tomorrow. But yeah, some of the some of the orcs here like really look not as good as other ones. Like they don't look as fully like as fully formed or made up. Mm. Well, yeah. Do you think that's because of um, as far as like the camera work goes? Do you think that was on purpose? Because it's like, oh, we're not gonna get a good look at these guys. But but that also doesn't strike me as wet it's as not a wet thing to do. You know, Richard Taylor yeah. in the commentary talks about how. They wanted to make sure that all of the prosthetics were convincing enough for all the orcs in this fight because they just don't know what shots Peter's going to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't want to ruin a shot that Peter liked the action in just because some orc in the background's nose fell off or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I, I imagine that there's just a lot of different ideas as far as what they wanted the orcs to look like because this was pretty early on, I think, in some of the filming. Mm. They they talk about, um, or maybe not early on, but uh, close to press time. Because they talk about some of the stuff that goes on across this part of the movie. Uh, they sh- they finish wrapping the filming on this Osgiliath scene where uh, Gothmog stabs him a drill, which we talk about which is later this week. And then after they filmed that, for the- they finished wrapping that day. They had the first like press conference about the progress of the movies. Oh. So it must have been somewhere in the first half of filming. Yeah. I would guess. So that's a thing that went on around, like, in the filmmaking for this part of the movie. Hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. So I, I wonder if that some of the, the real kind of big variation in the orc designs was them not having fully... Fleshed out like, what they wanted. Yeah, having not fully landed on what they wanted the orcs to more uniformly look like. And we know that they settled more on uh, what the guy that makes the bird sound kind of looks like for yeah. most of the orcs. yeah. And I think that he looks the best out of all the orcs we kind of see. Well, yeah, because he's the only one we get like a close-up look at. Really. Just in general, because there's a there's one orc in particular in this this part of the 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 scene in this minute that he's in the background over a guy's shoulder, and you can see his head pretty still for a second, and it looks like he has kind of he looks kind of like he's just wearing a thick rubber mask, and it looks kind of like a rubber mask, mm. like his his face kind of moves a little awkwardly. He, like, hits a guy with a sword in the chest. Yeah, but that's, like, for a split second we see him. Yeah. Like, that's one of the ones I see and I'm just like, oh, that's that's not a great looking orc face. It kind of looks like a gorilla mask with all the hair taken off of it. Yeah, kind of. So, and I think there, there's a lot that look like that across this scene in Osgiliath mm. that have that kind of feeling to their head. Yeah. That they ultimately didn't go with because they wanted more expression out of the actors i would assume and they wanted the orcs to look less silly this is probably a holdover from when they they talked about earlier in the commentary right with the the waddling yeah the orcs feeling like the the guys playing the ex, the extras playing the orcs, feeling like they got to lumber and be kind of ape-like and stuff and looking silly but if they're in a more uh expressive prosthetic they feel less like they need to do that to get stuff across so mm-hmm. yeah but yeah this guy in particular looks like an extra from planet of the apes like the the Tim Burton like, movie, yeah. Like he um, he like fell into a vat of like something, something unfortunate, and then like he came out. It's like a gorilla that someone poured a bucket of nair on. No, that's so sad. Oh my god, <laughs> what the heck? Oh, now he's no. just mad, so he's just killing people. Uh, but yeah, it's like that. That's one of the ones that sticks out to me, and the other one that sticks out to me is tomorrow, mm. the one that really sticks out. 
My one other note is um, all the way at the very, very beginning of this minute. I don't. Okay. I understand that Doom is used um, kind of archaically yeah. throughout these movies. Um, but I don't like its usage here. I think it's kind of awkward and clunky, the line. Mm. When Thaden um, says slash thinks it. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that that's straight out of the book. Right. It can be straight out of the book and I can still think it's clunky. Yeah. It is uh, like the use of doom to kind of mean destiny is very archaic. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, Saruman uses it all the time in that way. And Treebeard. Well, that's true. And they're like old. Yeah. I don't know. It 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 sounds kind of clunky, but at the same time, I think when you're doing a when you're doing a fantasy story whose tone is kind of intended to feel a little historical, I think it is important to use a certain amount of archaic language and try to avoid um you want to stay away from like too modern of a sound because you don't want people to feel like your dialogue is anachronistic that like that takes people out of fantasy stories a lot of the time i think i don't know why because people like to think of fantasy stories as being in the past even if they're in like alternate worlds or whatever people tend to think of fantasy in more uh, in like a historical kind of context, I think. But that's whereas people don't think of sci-fi in the same way, so sci-fi tends to get away with more anachronisms. Or it, it's not really anachronistic if it's sci-fi and it's supposed to take place it's, in the future. Okay, there are um um. But there are anachronisms in this. There's magic in this world. There are like orcs and stuff. Like right. I don't. I just think that's like a greater consciousness of media kind of thing. People tend to. People tend not to like anachronisms in their fantasy. See, but I love that because I think it feels um, not as, um, I don't know. I'm like kind of over this like old fashioned, like ye old fantasy mm. thing. Like eh, as far as like dialogue goes. Yeah. Because like, I don't know. Like, I think it's like that speech pattern is largely fictional anyway. I don't know how to explain what's going on in my head, but um, it's like you know, like um, like made up Shakespeare. Oh yeah, like uh, like when Iron Man makes fun of Thor yeah, in the first yeah, Avengers yeah, yeah, movie. Yeah. So like, I feel like that is pervasive in fantasy as well. Mm. Like this, like I don't know, like this dumb, flowery, like made up, like speech, um, pattern and. Um, the like the words that they use. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and I I agree to a certain extent when it comes to when it comes to people who aren't supposed to be like members of high society in like this kind of fantasy world. Like, I think it makes sense for uh, a a seventy year old man who's like a, a king and like experiences the world through kind of the court around him to speak in this kind of archaic way, because that's that's kind of true of the way that leaders in the real world speak is they tend to use like more um or like uh, like more formal language often sounds more more archaic it can be formal and not it can be formal and not clunky it can be formal and also more modern yeah it doesn't have to be that weird flowery like you know 
yeah. stuff that I'm talking about. I just think the line is clunky. And whether or not it's lifted straight from the book, like, I don't know, I'll fist fight Tolkien in hell or whatever. But like <laughs> Go go fist fight the linguist. <laughs> go fist go go fist fight the the career linguist. I'll see you in the pit, of... Tolkien. But like <laughs> Yes, I'm going you know, we're gonna we're gonna fight about the the structure of linguistics with the a long dead lifelong linguistics no, no, professor. No, no, no. But you know I don't know, it just sounds clunky to me. Mm. And part That's... of like an adaptation is like like sure, like you can take all the dialogue and stuff um from the source material, but yeah. like you can like they did it with Galadriel's lines. Yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. Things that were, things that are. Yeah. And th- some things that have not yet come to pass. Yeah. That's not the um, line from the book. No, but it still sounds archaic and formal. Right, but it's not clunky. Yeah. They because just... the original line is like, da 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 Right. I mean, they're, they're just continuing to use the word doom in the same context this rest of the script has. Yeah, but like... Why because that creates... Because once you do it, if you can... Once you do it, when you don't do it for a line or you use doom in a different context or to mean something differently you i just think the doom of our time sounds dumb yeah i guess is what i'm getting at yeah and he doesn't like i didn't want to say it like that but i like you and you can't replace the word doom in that sentence with destiny because that also sounds kind of dumb yeah it's just just rewrite the line i, Take I mean the um the the core of it you know. I don't know. I don't think it sounds clunky. I just think it sounds archaic. Yeah, I don't like it. It doesn't... To me, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Mm. You know, it, it's funny that you're talking about, like, Tolkien getting the pit, because that's a, he constantly fought with editors over them wanting to change the way he wrote things. I mean, like, which one of us has a degree in linguistics? You know Leave what? it as it is. That's fine. Like, I don't know. You can have a degree in linguistics and not be that great at writing dialogue. Over them wanting to change, um, like, the, the big thing is, it, most of it wasn't dialogue. It was him using words like dwarfish and right. elven. No, that's fine. Like, you were inventing your own world. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I think the line's a little silly. Yeah. Agree to disagree, I guess, on that one. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the podcast, right? Just, <laughs> I guess to a certain extent, yeah. We haven't We haven't, like discussed Gollum in a while so like <laughs> that's true that's next week do you think just because like it's because it's your boy saying it like i i'm i don't know i i don't mind archaic I, language i don't mind more archaic kind of obtuse uses of language in in media like in fantasy stories that look like they take place in the past but I also really dig the, like, the aesthetic of urban okay. fantasy. The the past as opposed to what? This is, I know it's supposed to be like the mythology of our world, but it's not. No, but I'm saying it It, it looks like the past. It looks like the, the costuming of the human beings looks like parts of the past of our world and the structure of the world around it looks, them. It's, it's medieval fantasy. Right, exactly. So that's... So there's a, and I think that the imagery creates a certain amount of expectation but in the I, sound. I think that is true, and I don't like that. Mm. I am more interested in a medieval fantasy. I guess I should just watch The Witcher, because that probably like delivers everything that I 
and I think to a certain extent there are there are definitely I watch a show. It's like because just because you have a a bias going into something to watching something where someone's wearing like I don't know, a suit of armor. Yeah, I mean or or something, you know? Just because it looks like it's set in the past, it's a made up fantasy world. They can they should be able to talk how they want. I also am like more of a fan of like snappier modern dialogue in general. Mm. That's what I tend to write for the most part. Like not quite like I mean I'm not like Aaron I'm not saying I'm like Aaron Sorkin or anything but like I don't know. I prefer like a more like modern patter. Also let your fantasy characters swear. Like I know this is a PG-13 movie and like that's not the point. I'm just talking about like quote unquote medieval fantasy in general. Yeah, I, I mean they swear in The Witcher, so Yeah. At least in the in the I mean, video like, game. And yeah, like I guess Game of Thrones is kind of what I'm talking about, but also, like, screw Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Game of Thrones definitely has, like, more snappy, like, more modern kinds of dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But even then... And also the source material res- wasn't written, like, 60 years ago, which I understand, right. but I just think the, the this movie No, just was, nearly 30. This... <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Is he ever going to finish... <laughs> Oh, well, whatever. Um, well, I guess 23 was when the first book came out, so who knows when he started working on it. But I guess, like, it. my point is, like, just because the source material is written, like, 60 years ago, this movie was not, so right. they could have just fixed the line. I mean, that's where you get into the, the nitty-gritty of, of adaptation work, right? What do you what do you change versus what do you don't, be, what, what you don't, because whenever you're doing adaptation work, you have, you have automatically given yourself to different audiences to please and you have to balance like how you're going to do that yeah because adaptation work always leads to well we need to put enough stuff in the work and maintain enough stuff from this that we get to that we pay homage to the original work and please the purists who are going to go see this because that's what it is well, but we also have to update a certain amount of it to like get the casual moviegoer or the casual fan on yeah, board yeah. so like there's there's a lot of tension there so well, I mean, like, even if you're adapting something, um, you're not going to please everybody. Like, I've been reading, because um, we just saw um, Little Women, mm. and I was reading this this thing uh, about it that, like, a lot of the criticism of that movie is just like, oh, it's so, like, like new wave feminist, blah, 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 blah. But apparently all of the lines of dialogue were either taken from, like, directly from the book, like, unchanged, or from Louisa May Alcott's um, letters. Mm. Like, all of the dialogue. Um, and that stuff was written in, like, Civil War era America. Right. In the 1800s. Right. And you can give you can give dialogue new meaning in the context of how it's presented. Right. And that's, that that's, like, the... That's like the core of adaptation. Like you're taking the thing and then you're make you're making it relevant to the media that you're adapting, and you're also making it relevant to your audience that's watching it or consuming it. You know, yeah, hundreds that, of years after it was for the the work you're adapting was first published. Right. Yeah. You you have you always have to recontextualize I a guess, certain part of what I you're adapting. Know. I guess I just like ended my own argument like. Not everyone's going to be happy. Yeah. I'm just, because it felt like we, we were struggling to talk about something. 
<laughs> in the minute because it's just like oh look at all the horses and then there's fighting so but yeah i don't like the line it's fine yeah it's fine <laughs> 30 minutes later yeah <laughs> sorry anyway we're from the website duelinggenre.com check us out there um if you haven't uh and you're in the mood i guess the giving mood you can check out our patreon um which you can access from duelinggenre.com slash support um thank you to our patreon supporters and our listeners in general um and we'll be back tomorrow to talk more about um orcs stabbing people and stuff yeah woo woo bye bye